I'm going to do something in a little bit here, so uh, you might want to prepare the little ones, hold their ears or something. I'm going to read something out of Ezekiel. This isn't my passage today. Uh, the Lord just uh, impressed this on my heart. It's Ezekiel 33. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. Is God getting your attention? Is he? Is he? Do you hear him? Do you? Do you? Do you hear him? Do you hear his voice? Oh, son of man. The children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the house, and they speak to one another. They say, brother, please come hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And so they come to you as people. They sit before you as my people. They hear your words, but they don't do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice, who can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. And we have the prophetic word among us. God doesn't have to necessarily raise up a human vessel, though he does, and he still does. We have the prophetic word of God, which we would do well to heed as a light in a dark place. And the word of God speaks about a king that is coming to reclaim the earth, to reclaim all of creation, to reclaim his people, to restore all things, to subdue all things. And we're told many times in scripture over and over and over and over and over, be ready, be alert, be sober, watch, pray. Be about your business. Be alert, be sober. Look up. For your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming. The king is on his way. What a privileged generation we are. 
I'm going to read something here out of Olive Tree Ministries. We are watching the setup for the end of the church age. Things the Bible foretold are unfolding before us as we continue to trend towards the tribulation. Scripture said many things would happen that would be stage-setting incidents, and we are witnessing them now in our time. And I'm just going to share a few with you. As we look at our world today, the world is leaderless. The world is leaderless. A few think they're global leaders. Maybe China's Xi Jinping, or Russia's Putin, or America's feeble Joe Biden, or France's Emmanuel Macron, but none of them come close. The world is longing for a leader, and as these above-named fools embarrass their respective countries, there is someone waiting in the wings. The rise to prominence of a globalist outfit, the World Economic Forum, or the WEF, is paving the way for a one-world government. It's happening, it's been happening for decades. The Antichrist will rule the world one day. Very likely under the umbrella of, under this organization or one just like it. The WEF has had 50 years to become, sophistic, to become a sophisticated collection of global leaders. It has been primed for a half a century to rule the world. The Bible prophecies or prophesies a coming cashless society where no one can buy or sell unless they have a mark. We now learn of the coming global central bank digital currency that will be thrust upon the world possibly by 2024. Cash will eventually vanish. Forget about your gold, forget about your silver, forget about your cash. It will all be digital one day. And it might come sooner than we think. Digital currency will be a genuine nightmare as it will be a tracking device and all privacy will completely vanish. The last three years, we've witnessed frightened masses choose to trust in government due to fear of a health crisis and pandemic. The government promised to take care of them, to keep them well. People blindly, foolishly complied. Too many didn't ask questions, even though the lies told are now revealed. Many feel it best to trust in authoritarian voices as many people are becoming sheeple. Sheeple. We now have artificial intelligence that is as intuitive and as intelligent as human beings and will soon surpass human beings. 
I see headline after headline after headline of the people creating this that, that they're worried, they're scared because they understand it could be the extinction of mankind because they will basically just take over and see, see no use for us. It's almost like that old movie Terminator. Well, it's coming to reality. Things that were once science fiction the Antichrist will tap into this order to rule his empire. The recent unveiling of chat GBPT is stunning. It can write a thesis or a sermon in 10 seconds and put a spin on it that is distinctly you. There is civil unrest, lawlessness in almost two dozen nations. There's too much space to list them all. This is global rebellion. The spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well preparing the way for the man of lawlessness. Wars, rumors of wars are stirring. There are dozens of global conflicts. Nations like China, Russia, North Korea, Iran are stirring the warlike pot. The Ukraine catastrophe could spread thanks to Putin's madness. Some of these are nuclear powers and few are threatening to use nukes. And when a bully threatens, believe him. Most military... Military analysts tell us that World War III is now almost a certainty. We don't know if this is a pre-tribulation event, but it could be. We do know global war is a part of the tribulation. The days of Noah haunt us. Japan has created mice from two fathers. I'll spare you the biological details. Other anomalies, deviations from what is natural are celebrated today. It's nothing to take a little girl and make them a little boy and mutilate them. It's actually a good thing to do. And if you don't agree with it, you are unmerciful. You are not kind. There's a stunning rise in darkness as predicted in 2 Timothy 3, 13. Whether it's at the Grammys or the Commonwealth Games, Hollywood in general, or during the Super Bowl, Satan is celebrated. He is center stage at the Grammys. Participants bowed down and worshiped a satanic, horrid, horned creature. There's a temple fever among the religious in Israel. The Temple Institute has everything ready to go. Five red heifers have arised last fall from Texas. Four remain perfect enough for temple sacrifice as outlined in the book of Numbers. This is a temple the Antichrist will defile when he turns on the Jewish people. We are living in unprecedented times. Prophetically. Prophecies that seemed far-fetched, no way could this happen, are a living reality. How can the Antichrist possibly track every human being on the earth? That's where digital IDs and central bank digital currencies come in. How 
can the Antichrist die and come back to life? That's where artificial intelligence and the transhumanist bio-digital convergence explain the mystery. What is that? Well, it's happening right now. These people that are part of this one world movement and scientists are working towards molding, melding man with machine, eventually making man all machine. They say it's evolving. We must evolve. We must become something different, something that's not organic. And the technology is there. They, they are actually beginning this process, believing they could take the brain and, and one day make it into a different kind of being and put its thoughts and put its, its whole consciousness into something that is not human. Thus, in their minds, achieving eternal life. Then we will be God. See, it's the same lie. But now we have the technology to do it. It reminded me of the Tower of Babel when God looked down. He said, now nothing will be held back from them because they've all got in one mind to do this thing. And God had to come down. He's going to have to come down soon. And there's so many other things I, I could mention, but it would take too long to go through them all that are happening right now. Our generation is watching the setup. Now, what a privilege. Like, if, if we know the Lord, this should be exciting. Even though it could be scary and we, we read these things and we think, oh my goodness, like what, what am I going to do? We, we have to remember what the word says. We have to remember what we hope in and really what we're longing for. We're actually longing for this to happen quickly so Jesus can come and do away with it all and set up his kingdom. But yet what a challenge as well. What did we think the last days would look like. Well, maybe 2023 is giving us a little picture of that. So it's time. It's time we're about our father's business. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture in Luke 19. If you want to put that up there, uh, we'll be looking at Luke 19 verses 11 through 27. So I thought about this, and, and I thought, what would Je if Jesus Christ was here right now in the flesh, instead of me standing here, what would he say to us? What would be his words uh, as we look at everything I just shared and everything that's going on around us? Would he say, like, okay, guys, now, what I told the disciples, just forget that. Like, this is different now. No, he would say the same exact thing he said to his disciples. Same exact. He would not change a word. Because to God, 2,000 years is nothing. Even though for us, it seems like a long time. And the urgency that he shared with his disciples is no different for us today. 
But yet, because we have the prophetic word, because now, like we just heard, we can look at our world, we can say, well, we're definitely closer. Like, if any time I should look up, it should be now. If any time I should be reevaluating my life and priorities and what I am doing for the kingdom of God, it should be right now, right this very moment, because at any moment, that trumpet can sound. And am I ready? Am I really ready? Have I been listening these past years? What am I doing about it? Am I prepared for what is coming? So let's look here at Luke 19, verse 11. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. And therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself a kingdom in return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him, and they sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then the first came saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. And he said to him, you also be over five cities. And then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept and put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you do not sow, what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And then he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. And they said, Master, he has ten. For I say to you that everyone who has he will, will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And, and you know what? Bring those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. So I just want to look at four things in this passage. The first one is a mistake the disciples made and the mistake we make with the coming of the Lord Jesus. It says in verse 11, they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Mistake. They, they were missing it. In their minds, they were looking at the Old Testament prophecies and they're thinking, this is it. We're, we're right near Jerusalem. This is it. This is when he takes over. This is when he establishes kingdom. This is when we're finally freed by these Romans and Jesus takes his rightful place amongst his people. And they forgot that the Messiah in his first coming 
must first be cut off from his people and that he would suffer and that he would die. And because they weren't focusing on that, when it happened, they all stumbled. They weren't ready. They didn't stand in their hour. Thankfully, it wasn't over for them. Um, it was actually Jesus preparing them for what was going to begin after the work of the cross. But they didn't realize that all these other prophecies had to be fulfilled, that Christ would suffer. They didn't see uh, that there was first to be a coming Messiah to be cut off. And so our stumbling block is the total opposite of that. So if they dwell too much on his second coming, you know what we do sometimes? We focus too much on his first coming. Now, we should focus on that. We should never forget. Paul says, I preach Christ, and I preach Christ crucified. And so that should be a main thing that we focus on and never forget. I mean, that's the thing that motivates us. That's what helps us to understand his mercy and his grace. And we're motivated, we're compelled by love because we've experienced the love of Christ in the work of the cross. But we're also told, and we see it in the Last Supper, right? That they're remembering what he did, but then it says, as you do it, as often as you do it, look forward as well because I'm coming back. So remember what I did for you, but also look forward. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back. So we need to interpret unfulfilled prophecy by the light of prophecies already fulfilled. Because we, we know, right, that it's prophesied the Jews would be cut off. The Jews would suffer. The Jews would be dispersed. And it happened, and it, it still happened. They're still suffering the consequences, but yet in our time, something remarkable has happened that was also prophesied that God would eventually bring them back to their land. And it happened in 1948, but there's no spirit yet. There's just flesh and bones. It's like that dry valley in Ezekiel. And God one day is going to breathe the spirit of God into his people and they're going to rise up. Like Joseph and his brothers, they're going to see Jesus. They're going to understand it was them who pierced him. And there's going to be a great repentance in Israel one day. Hasn't happened yet. Not until the fulfillment of all the Gentiles comes in. Paul talks about it in Romans. If we were grafted in because they were cut off, how much more when they're grafted in? Is that going to be a blessing and a glory in the earth? And that's why we pray for God's people. He's not done with Israel. He's not done with them. He's going to come back for them as well. And I want to say this. The first coming was literal, visible, visible, personal. His second coming will be the same. When the disciples looked up in Acts 1.11, at the time of ascension, there, there was two angels that said to them, Men of Galilee... 
Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up for you into heaven, he will come back in just the same way you have watched him go into heaven. Same way. How did he go up? He took his flesh, his bones. He said to his disciples, see my hands, see my feet, that this is my, me, myself. Touch me, see me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you in heaven, the angel said, will come back the same way. His feet, his physical feet will touch down on the earth one day. It's going to happen. The Lord himself will descend with heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God will sound. Hallelujah! Sorry, kids. I usually don't do things like this, but I really sense the Holy Spirit told me to. And my prayer is God will use it as a reminder. That trumpet's going to sound one day. It's going to happen. Romans 8 shows us that all his saints should be waiting and groaning for the day of his appearing. Just as he is waiting, because he doesn't even know. Only the Father knows. He's waiting. When can I get my bride? When can I get my bride? When, Father? When? And we should be waiting. We should be anticipating that day. All of creation, it says in Romans 8, in its sorrow is groaning, is yearning for his coming, which is its redemption. The creation was made subject to vanity for a little while, but when the Lord will come again, the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And I was telling Rose this morning, I studied this all week. I don't have charts to lay out to you. I don't, I don't have... You know, like this is going to happen then, then this is going to happen. I, it, it, there's so much mystery in this. I can't wrap my mind around it. I just cannot understand it all. But you know what? God did it that way for a reason. We want to know. We want to figure everything out and we even think we can. But God leaves many mysteries in the Bible, and he just wants us to believe the things we do understand and to act upon them. And all I know is he said, be ready, be sober, be alert. I'm coming back one day, and you don't know when that's going to be. It's going to be when you least expect it. So be ready. Be ready. Live with your eyes looking up, with your, your waist girded. Be about my business. That's all I know. That's all I know. Whoever neglects this mutilates the gospel if we neglect this. Because the Bible teaches us 
not only of the death and sufferings of Christ, but also of his return to reign in honor and glory. His second coming is mentioned and referred to over 300 times in the Bible. And you know why the devil doesn't want us to lay hold of his truth? Because we would totally wake up. Totally. If we lived in that reality, all, we would be fully awake all the time. So the devil at his best tries to distract you. Get your mind off it. Don't worry. You got plenty of time. Oh, they've been saying this for thousands of years. You can take care of things tomorrow. Jesus talked about wise virgins and foolish virgins. The wise were ready. In the middle of the night, an unexpected time, the foolish thought, ah, we could wait till tomorrow to get some oil. We're good. It was too late. The door was shut. We hear in that story. So our mistake today is to put it off. The second thing we learn from this passage is where we are now. And this is important. Because if I personally didn't understand where I was now, I would totally despair at what I am seeing going on in the world. But I understand that everything has not been subdued yet. Jesus hasn't come into the total fulfillment of establishing his kingdom. He has his kingdom, he rules his king, but it hasn't come here yet. It's within his people, and he rules his people, but it hasn't come yet to this earth. And this is important. It says in verse 12, as he, he shares this parable, a certain nobleman went to a far country. For what? To receive a kingdom for himself, and then he would return. Jesus is obviously speaking of himself. Again, he has a spiritual kingdom. But if we think about it, and we look at our world, we understand the kingdom of God has not been established yet in the earth. Think about it. After 1,900 years of Bibles, gospel preaching, there is not a nation, country, parish, long-established congregation where this devil still doesn't have more subjects than Christ. Think about it. Think about it. He's still only followed by a few. And those offered are not the great or the wise. They're just faithful people. He's persecuted by his enemies, often driven into the wilderness. Yet his party is never quite destroyed. And we saw that Friday night. The vast majority of mankind don't see any beauty in him. They will not allow this man to reign over them. But one day, every knee will confess, every, every, every knee will bow down, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Verse 14 says, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him. Now, this was speaking of the Jews, but it also speaks now of the world. We will not have this man reign over us. That's what the world is in. 
Psalm 2 gives us a, a, a wonderful picture of that. Why do the nations rage? The people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth, they set themselves and rulers take counsel together. That's what these people are doing. These one world people taking counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces. Let us cast away their cords. In other words, we don't want this God ruling over us. We want to be our own gods. We want to do what we want to do. We know what we want, and we know how to do it. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord will hold them in derision. He will break them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I will set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth, your possession. It hasn't happened yet. It's coming. You will break them with a rod and iron. You will dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. But blessed are you who put your trust in him. Blessed are you who put your trust in him. Jesus is coming. The king, he's on his way, people. Blessed are you. Blessed are you if you put your trust in him. You're blessed. Woe to you if you have not. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Make peace with the son, lest, lest he be angry. When we know these things, we know God intends to fulfill all his prophecies. Until then, um, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Know these things. You won't be confounded. You won't be surprised by the immense evils we are seeing in this world. You won't be surprised. You'll understand this was prophesied. If you know these things, you will understand that, that God isn't sitting back unaware of what's going on. It's only because of his long suffering. It's only because of his, his kindness that things continue as they are because he's waiting, he's waiting, he's, he's long suffering. We hear him calling.
just finished with a warning, okay? This is the simple part. There is a serious change coming, okay? Everything as you know it is going to change. It's coming. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. Now, I know many here, I, I know you're doing that. I get it. But, you know, are we there yet? I know I'm not. I'm still way too distracted. And, you know, when you study that for a week, it kind of wakes you up a little, which kind of spoke to me like, okay, I probably should be doing this more, reminding myself of these things. You should probably be doing this more. It does affect you. So, you know, for those of you that know him, for those of you that respond, listen, this is not like gloomy doomy. This is actually great news. Like there's a good time coming for you, okay? I want I want you to understand that. You know, it sounds like, oh, man, you know, and what we got to understand, you look at the whole book of Revelation, and, you know, if all you see is destruction and turmoil, well, that's just how you're choosing to see it, but it's really the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's just everything responding to that. That's what's happening. He's being revealed in the earth, and the earth is responding to it. And there's good and there's bad. There's people going, yay, finally, hallelujah, praise the Lamb. There's other people running and hiding in caves from the wrath of the Lamb. Same God. Two different people. Which one are you going to be? I want to be praising him and I want to be longing and expecting and coming. I'm like a bride. I can't wait. I can't wait. Come, Jesus, come. Oh, Lord, come. Make everything right, Lord. You have to watch everything every day. I don't know how you do it, Lord, but Lord, oh, just I'm groaning, I'm groaning inside, I'm groaning with creation. God, come and make everything right. Come, Lord Jesus. That should be our heart's cry. I know it was Paul's. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Come, Lord Jesus. So there's good coming. So if you are listening and responding, rejoice. Rejoice. Continue to let him loose you from your life in this world. Get in the scriptures. Continue to remind yourself. Remind one another and encourage one another. The day is approaching. The day is approaching. Let's be about his business. Okay? But if you're not, the Lord has an invitation for you today. So let's stand. to do this one more time, so I'm warning you this time, okay? Kids, all right? Doing this one more time. There's a reason. I want you to think about this. All right, you, see how fast that was? It's done. Where are you? Are you in a movie theater? Watching a movie? Are you in front of a computer? Looking at something you shouldn't? Where are you? Where are you right now? Because it's over. It's like a twinkle of an eye. It's done. 
You can't change your mind. You can't change your position. It's done. It's over. Where are you? Have you kissed the sun? Have you made peace with God? Where are you right now? Because that's all that's going to matter. If you're not sure, come to Christ today without delay. You might not have another season. Come and be pardoned. Come and be cleansed. Come and be made ready for his coming. I'm begging you, flee from the wrath to come. Flee. Jesus has made a way. He, he's begging you. He's, he's still calling. There's still a chance. Don't wait another day. He could come back tonight. He can come back an hour from now. I don't know. I don't know how much time. I don't know the day or the hour, but all I know, he said, he's going to come when we're not expecting him. And for us, church, I would say this. If you're going places, if you're doing things, if you're using your resources, whatever it is, and you question that, if he would come right at that moment, if you were doing that thing or spending time with this or doing this or doing that, then maybe it's something you need to put away because the days are evil and we have to redeem our time for God. So Lord, I just pray right now, if there's any here, they have not made peace with you, Lord. I pray they would come to you today, Lord, and surrender and repent and take the free offer that you have made possible through the work of the cross, Lord. If there's anyone here that has not made peace with God, you don't know where you would be if he came back right now. God is calling you this morning to come and surrender your life, to come and repent, to come and ask you to him to cleanse you. Anybody online, anyone listening, you might not have tomorrow. It's going to be too late when that trumpet sounds. If you're hearing his voice, is there, is there any kind of conviction in your heart today? Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Bow the knee. Confess him now before it's too late. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. God, I believe you came and died for me, Lord. And God, I need what you did. I don't want to be left behind, Lord. I don't want my fate to be sealed and be separated and cast into outer darkness where I'll be alone forever and ever. God, have mercy on me today. If there's anyone here today, come to Jesus. Come down this altar to Jesus and get your life right with him before it's too late. You don't have another day. You don't have another hour. God, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Oh, God, help us to save as many as we can, Lord. If there's any here, if there's any online, Lord, 
Draw them to yourself, God. And have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for all of us. There's no words, there's no theatrics that can do what only you can do in our hearts, Lord. But Lord, I'm asking, I'm asking, Lord, awaken us more fully to the reality of the days we're living. Lord, if there's any here with their head in the sand, God, help them. Shake them, Lord. Holy Spirit, just shake, 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 shake. Lord, help us to, to be about your business. Help us, Lord, not to waste any time. Lord, the hour is late, Lord. Help us to look up, Lord. Help us to remind ourselves you're coming. You're coming, Jesus. You're coming. You're coming, Lord. The king is on his way. Lord, help us to prepare our hearts, Lord. Help us to be watching. Help us to be waiting. Help us to be about your business, Lord. So, God, I thank you, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that somehow we would not lose what you are saying to us today. Help us not to be like those people in Ezekiel 33, Lord. Help us to take whatever it is you have spoken to us today, Lord, and help us to do something about it, Lord. We want to be those faithful servants that hear, well done. I know I want to be that one, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use this body to rescue as many souls as we can, Lord. So, God, we thank you, Lord. And I pray, God, the Spirit of God would continue to speak, to woo, to work in my brothers and sisters, even as we go from this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.